This is the time of year when in our families, in our homes, our children live with a great amount of anticipation for a day in which will come in which they will enjoy a lot of festive presents. And one of the things that is often spoken to these children is, have you been naughty or have you been nice? And it's often said to them that there's a record that's being kept and that record is such that uh, if you've been bad, it's going to be known and uh, it will affect what you will get on that day. I realize in our homes and our families this may be a, a thing that is enjoyable, but I want to focus your mind, for those of us who are adults, those capable of understanding, to the day that the books will be opened. We just read, just a few moments, was Brother Russ read to us from Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, and when you start thinking about that great day, it will be a day of both curiosity and a day of anxiety. As you begin to think about that day, what will the Lord say to me? As you begin to think about everyone else, what will be important is what will he say to me? Will he say to me, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will he look at me and say, depart from me? You who work iniquity, will I make it to heaven? And if I do, what will heaven be like? Do I have to wonder or guess whether or not I will be saved? Many of us find ourselves this morning questioning, when I stand there before the judgment seat of Christ... Will I receive the well done or will I receive the depart? And I think there's a little bit of anxiety. Even discussing this makes some of us feel uncomfortable. But I think it's important that by the time we finish this lesson, you are in one of two categories. You are either a convicted person that says, I am going to make a change in my life today. I'm going to respond to the invitation. Or you are a person who says, I know I have done what God has told me to do. I realize I'm not perfect, but I know that God will be with me and I will be there when the role is called up yonder. This lesson will seek to answer some of the basic questions that men ask. And I think people do ask these questions. What events will precede this great event or this great day? Will I be able to know when this day is going to take place? What will happen when the books are open? What will God do? What will Jesus do? What will I do? And then number three, what will happen after the judgment? After all is said and done and after God has spoken, where will I be? Where will you be? And what will it be? Let's begin first of all with the preceding events. Many people in this world today believe that there will be signs of this great day. They believe that in advance to that, there will be all of these signs, ominous signs in society and in the various uh, constellations, maybe in the heavens. 
that you and I will be able to anticipate the day is near, the day is near. Perhaps you have heard the song, Jesus is coming soon, is found in our songbook. And it says, troublesome times are here, filling men's heart with fear. Freedom we all hold dear is now is at stake. It's talking about times that are troublesome, these times that will make us fearful and afraid. But do you know what the Bible says? The Bible tells us that this day will come like a thief in the night. No thief comes to your house and says, I'm here to take what you have. If he does that, he's a robber. A thief is somebody who slips in. We read in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should, be, any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Verse 10 says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. When Paul wrote the Thessalonians, he told them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And then he illustrates verse 3, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that the day should overtake you as a thief. So it will come without any warning, but it will come suddenly. That means that when it does come, there's not going to be any time for anyone to make preparation. When the Lord comes, it will be just like that. You know how I know? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Notice carefully verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the time it takes for you to bat your eyes is how fast it will take place when the Lord comes again. When that trumpet sounds, dead people will be raised out of their graves. Well, then where do people get the idea that there will be some sort of signs of the times? That there will be all these events taking a place in society and even in the skies to signal the Lord's coming? Will it be so that you and I can say, okay, the time is near? I remember when I was a teenager, there was a movie release called The Late Great Planet Earth. It was on at the theater in Vernon. If you were going to see a movie, you had to go there to see it. And I remember going and feeling the, the dread that it was almost time for the Lord to come again. This is a misunderstanding of Matthew chapter 24. The Lord, as He sat on the top of the Mount of Olives, looked over at the city of Jerusalem and He told His disciples, He said, you see all these buildings here? Not stone, one stone will be left upon another. 
And they were saying to him, Lord, when will these things take place and what will be the sign of your coming? The Lord then described to them the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and all the events that will be leading up to that. And someone says, now are you sure that's what he was talking about there? Look with me at verse 34. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass till all these things take place. All this. If this happens somewhere around A.D. 33, and you add a generation of 40 years, that means around A.D. 70, the city of Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. That generation would not die until those things were accomplished. But when you get to verse 36, but of that day and of that hour knows no one. The Lord then focuses on his second coming. You see, here's the problem. People want to believe in this. Why do they believe that there's going to be signs of the times? Why are some people anticipating what is called a rapture? I think there's some good answers to that. Men want to believe they'll have time to change. That there will be a last minute or a second chance. So that all of a sudden as you begin to hear the trumpet sounds, hey, I want, I want to be baptized. Hey, I want to confess my faults. I want to be restored to faithfulness. According to what the Bible teaches, there's not going to be any warning. It will occur suddenly. And you're not going to be able to recognize it's coming And there will be no second chance. Here's what the Bible does teach. Everybody, good and bad, will be raised at one time. In John chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus said, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life Those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. The hour, the appointed time is going to come. And when it does and that trumpet sounds, in every one of these cemeteries all across this world will come forth out of those graves. Those who are alive will be changed. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52. Immediately. Matthew 25 verse 32. And the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. When that takes place, the Lord will make his final judgment. And these are the things preceding that. Dead, small, and great. He said, I saw the great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose face the heaven and the earth fled away. And then he said, I saw the dead, the small and the great. Everybody, you and myself and everyone else is going to be there. Number two, what's going to happen when that event occurs? The books are going to be opened. And I want you to notice it says the books, plural, not just a book, but the books. There's more than one. Let's explore what they are. The first one is going to be these books, the books of the Bible.
That's the book of Genesis going through the book of Revelation and everything contained in between. And God is going to take every man and judge him by the covenant under which he lived. For those of us today, it's the new covenant, Matthew through the book of Revelation. And when those books are open, you and I are going to stand and have to answer for what we have done based upon those books. In John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word I have spoken will judge him in the last day. The last day, that means that when the Lord comes again, all things he said, that ought to put some fear in some of us. When I read Matthew chapters 5 through 7, and I hear the Lord speak about hating your brother in your heart, and he says, you've heard it said, but I say to you, who even calls his brother a fool will be in danger of hell fire. I hear the Lord talking about lust. I hear the Lord talking about worry. And that ought to make each of us think seriously about reading our Bible every day because that's what's going to be judging us on that last day. The second thing is a book that records everything I have ever said, everything I've ever done, every thought that I have ever entertained in my mind. I don't know about you, but that certainly should make us all think twice. When you go to Psalms chapter 56 and verse 8, you number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Now listen carefully. Are they not in your book? When God looks and he sees each of us, the various things that we have wept over, Things that have made us sad. Things that have made us glad. Or Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. Those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and for those who meditate on his name. A book of remembrance. Okay, it's December the 15th, 1977. December the 15th, 2019. I remember both those days. Remember what happened on both of those days. God not only remembers what happened, but God remembers why each of us reacted the way we did on that day. Interesting, isn't it? To think about every thought. And you may reflect on say, you know what, last week I had some bad thoughts in my mind about a person. Or maybe I said something about them that I really wish I hadn't said. Do you know every bit of that's recorded in that book? 
except for the fact that God sometimes says, when I repent, I'll blot those out. They're not written there anymore. God has erased them from his record. They'll never be held against me. Well, what a wonderful thought that is. That some of the things we've said, some of the things we've done, some of the things we thought, not going to be found there. Because they've been forgiven. But there's a third book. It's referenced in the book of Philippians as well as several times in the book of Revelation. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3, as Paul writing to the church, he's trying to resolve a matter between two sisters in the Lord. And he says, I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. That means God has a book and in that book has the names of every saved person. In Revelation 3 and verse 5, he who overcomes will be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. God's going to write your name there when you become a Christian. And he says, I'm not going to blot that name out. In chapter 13, verse 8, All who dwell on the earth will worship him and whose names have not been written in the book of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now you say, what do you mean by that? Do you notice the hymn there is not capitalized? It's talking about worshiping the beast. Those people who worship other things other than God, their name's not going to be found in the book of life. Chapter 20, verse 15. And if any was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Wow. How important are these books? I think it's important to note a few things about these books. Number one, there will be an objective standard. God will not judge us based on whims and on emotions and on feelings. If I were to appear before a human judge, I want somebody who was fair and honest and just. I wouldn't want somebody who looked out at me and said, you know what, I just don't think I like him. I'm going to throw the book at him. Or here's a person that I really like, and I know he may have done bad things, but I'm just going to let him off because I like him. God's judgment is not arbitrary, nor is it prejudicial. In Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, he says, Of a truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, he who fears God and works righteousness is accepted with him. That will be a standard of judgment based upon God's revealed will. Number two, there will be no debates as to the accuracy of God's record. I remember being in school and I remember when the teachers gave the grades. Invariably, there was always some child who wanted to go to the teacher and say, you made a mistake. Most of the teachers were very 
open to say, it's possible I made a mistake, but let's look and see what you scored. As the teacher went and said, okay, you made this grade, this grade, this grade, this grade. Oh, well, I forgot about that one. When you get to the day of judgment and God judges you based on what has been written, what you have done in your life, there's not going to be any debates. God knows accurately everything. Number three, either your name will be in the book of life or it will not. Wow. It's either there or it's not. In fact, this morning as you and I are sitting here, standing here, either your name is in the book of life or it's not. And if your name is in the book of life, then you keep living a faithful Christian life and you enjoy the blessings that are promised. If it's not in the book of life, when we stand to sing the invitation song, everything else should just pale in comparison about what's important. You need to become a Christian this morning. Or if you're a Christian who's walking in the ways of the world, it's time to get home and do what's right and to be right with the Father. Get your name back in that book of life. Now, after the judgment has taken place, after the sentences are read, either well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joys prepared for, the, for you, or depart from me, you who work iniquity. What then? Some will go into the lake of fire and brimstone. Would you listen carefully to some passages which I think reveal the awfulness of this place. In Matthew 25 and verse 30, And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Outer darkness. A few times in my life I have visited caves and it seems that always they want to carry to the deepest recesses of the caves and turn off the lights. And when they do, you feel all alone even though you know there's somebody sitting next to you. You can't see them. And there's a sense of dread. What would happen if these lights do not come back on? They flip the switch and nothing happens and you begin to think, how would I ever get out of this place? You're going to take a person and cast them into outer darkness. And it says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It wouldn't be long before people would recognize the hopelessness of where they are. Hell will be a place of hopelessness. In Mark chapter 9 verses 42 through 48. There's the picture given. What if it cost you something very precious to avoid this place? But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now listen carefully to verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. For it would be better for you to enter life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that is never quenched, 
where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maim or lame rather than having two feet to be cast into the hell, the fire that never shall never be quenched. And their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It would be better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If you start thinking about the value of your limbs... A few weeks ago, some of you knew, know I fell, and for a few days I had to wear a brace on my right hand. That was the most inconvenient thing I could think of. Didn't realize how important that hand was until I couldn't use it. I would hate to think of having to take a cleaver or something and cut that hand off. But the Lord said it'd be better for me to do that and to be able to go to heaven than having two hands to go to hell. Same thing with a foot. Same thing with an eye. Because the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Revelation 14 verse 10, He himself will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. You know, there's some things you don't want full strength and the wrath of God is one of them. But others will enjoy a place of bliss, happiness, and joy. If I could, in time permitted, we could spend a lot of time reading Revelation 21 and all the wonderful blessings that are found there I like verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, sorrow, or crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Everything that has been negative in this life, that's been sad in this life, that has been awful in this life will not be there. Everything's going to be new. Verse 21 the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. John is using figures to help us visualize the grandeur, the beauty, the joy of heaven. And Revelation 20 verses 24 through 27. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and their honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And there shall be no, by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And I think about just being in the presence of good folks. Christian folks. Both places are forever. In Matthew 25, 46, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. No end. 
Either it's going to be outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, or it's going to be a place of bliss, and you're going to either one or the other of those places. And when the books are opened, we will be judged righteously for our choices in life. I want to end with two passages of Scripture which... I hope drive home the point that I'm trying to make. In Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. I may not know, your parents may not know, your children may not know, your family may not know, but God knows. And you know. And on the day of judgment, that will be brought into it. And Luke chapter 12, verse 2, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. The books are going to be opened. Each of us are going to be judged. Now we're going to sing the song, Zion's Call, number 800. Let me tell you, as you prepare to sing this song, I want you to think about Zion's call, the message of the cross, the Lord's invitation, and He is calling each one of us, every one of us, to faithfulness. Would you become a child of God through faith, repentance, confession, and being baptized? Will you come back home? If so, will you come as we stand and sing?